happy this morning to our podcast and to our first Sunday in 2024. Michelle, it's the first Sunday in 2024. Amen. I'll ask you this morning, what is your focus? Look at your neighbor and say, what is your focus? What is going to be the focal point of 2024, Brother Dale? How are we going to move forward? I did a subtitle for myself of scan, swipe, and miss the glory. Be distracted and miss what God is doing among us. How many do not want to miss what God is doing among us? Some things you so visibly see. And this week, several times I told the Lord, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night if I thought this church didn't know its influence only when you couldn't find your seat. That would really worry me. If you only didn't knew your influence when it was a big visiting crowd, that would keep me up at night. I think sometimes I wish I could tell you everything that God does every week, but I can't. First of all, most of it's private, but you are making a difference. Give yourself a hand. You are. You are. And I pray God shows you that more and more. Revelation chapter 1, I'm going to go fast. Um, you might not be able to follow me right here. I apologize. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was. Someone say who is and who was and who is to come. And Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and saved us. Aren't you glad he loved you and saved you? And he washed us from our sins in his own blood and made us kings and priests to God. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Say amen. amen. Then here comes the personalization. I, John, your brother and your companion in tribulation and in the patience of Jesus. I was on the island of Patmos. He was exiled there because of his stand for Jesus. He said, but I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Someone say the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And here comes the pitch line. Here comes the hook. Then I turned. Someone say, then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. He didn't keep swiping social media. He didn't keep scrolling the internet. He didn't keep going up and down the channels of TV. Ouch. He didn't keep or take his temperature to say, how do I, John, the beloved, feel on the Isle of Patmos? How am I feeling about myself? He didn't do any of that. He turned to see the voice that was speaking to him. Hebrews 12 and 2, looking unto Jesus. Everyone say Jesus. The author and the finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despised the shame, but sat down at the right hand of God. What is your focus this morning? Father, we thank you for the anointing in this room. Come, Holy Spirit. I've treaded this physical ground in here, and I've treaded it at home. I only say that not for compliments, but, Lord, to remind you, I ask you to speak to your people through your word today clearly and distinctly. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, what is your focus? Interesting, the word distract means to draw away or to divert in mind or attention. The world wants to distract you. Can I get an amen? What is your focus this morning? What is your focal point? It is the one, is it on the one who is with you and all he is doing around you? I was circling 
I tell way too much. I know it. It's, it's the way it is. But I was circling this sanctuary early one morning this week, <coughs> and I got overwhelmed thinking about the future and all of that. And I was remembering the uh, statement that um, I was the co-founder of this church, but the other co-founder, Pastor Hank, came up with in the beginning that we would be um, Christ-centered worship and people-centered ministry. And I was circling thinking, what was I doing when he came up with that statement? Come on, somebody. I was probably taking care of a three-year-old. Can I get an amen? But I was thinking and feeling overwhelmed, and all of a sudden, Christ just opened my eyes, and not literally, but I imagined myself following him as he circled the building. I want to tell you something. The enemy wants to get your attention away from the he who you are following, and that is Christ Jesus. Are you focused on what he is doing in you? Or are the distractions blinding you? Are you focused on who is with you and who is protecting you from the bully of your past? Are you focused on him who in a few verses tells John, do not fear and do not weep. I have overcome. I am the lion of the tribe of Judah. I am the beginning and I am the end. Do not be overcome, John. Don't be distracted. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Us. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Can I get an amen and give him a hand? Some of you remember that beautiful song. It seems like focus is becoming an endangered spirit species lately. Amen? Notifications, text, news tickers all seem to be conditioning us to not be fully present. And I would imagine this has uh, relationship consequences as well because love requires attention. People want to be listened to. You know that? I was at a, a department store this week, and one of my prayer intercessors, best friendies, so to say, said, how many people did you minister to at the mall? And I said, oh, she goes, no, how many? Tell me. I said, I didn't try. I was just, they were talking to me, and they said, can I just tell you about my Christmas? Can I tell you how it started and how it ended and how horrible it was? And then the next thing I knew, I'm ministering to them because here's the thing. People want to be listened to. People want you to look them in the eye and say, you matter to me. One of my board of regents and someone I advise now as well, Pastor Billy Burke said, we're in a dilemma and we are in a famine of people not being listened to. He said, they line up my altars to be prayed for. And he will come with us to this building. He's so excited about that. But he said, they line up and they just want someone to listen to them because we have to pay attention. Amen. So if we can't pay attention in general, and if attention becomes an endangered species, so will spiritual growth. Because this caused me to wonder if we can't even watch a TV show without scrolling our phone the entire time. Don't cast your stones. I won't either, okay? If I can't even have a meal without being on my phone 80% of the time when I'm eating with other people, I wonder how my focus is going to be on the things of God because the world is little by little training us to be distracted. Listen, back in the old days when we rode horses, Mama Linda, to church, just kidding, but that's what, how old you think we are. When you wanted to go to a store, you had to get dressed to go outside. And if you had kids, you had to get them ready. I mean, it was a big hassle. So sometimes you didn't go to the store and you'd save so much money. Can I get an amen? You had to look presentable. You had to feed your children. I mean, it was tragedy. It was terrible. 
but now you can spend literally hundreds of thousands of dollars and never leave your house. It's called Amazon. Can I get an amen? That's why Amazon is killing it and putting a lot of mom and pops out of business, which is tragic. Because we can just scroll. You can just spend it so easy to click, click, add to the cart, click, click, add to the cart, click, click. <laughs> I just watched a movie and spent $5 million, but who cares? Come on. We get distracted. Everyone say distracted. I'm just going to go real extreme. And then there's like Bible on phone, which is so amazing. I love that you have the Bible on phone, don't you? I love that I can ask Alexa this morning, where exactly was John on Patmos? And she will answer me. I love that. I love that Alexa will answer me. I love that I have the World Wide Web, but the problem is on my phone, I go to look up a verse, and next thing I know, I am researching how people ended up in Australia in the first place. Did they go there? How did they end up? And, question. and then I, I find myself into a deep hole of do rhinoceros eat people? Can I get an amen? And then I look at a thing on how to build motorcycles out of spare parts, and I think, maybe. I'm never going to build a motorcycle. Can I get an Amen. But it's a deep hole. Look at your neighbor and say, what are you focusing on? And then there's distractions that are not so funny. The other day, my tire was getting low, and my car alerts me, Josh. And I tried to stop at four places. It had been alerting me for days, but you know I'm busy. And I stopped at four places, couldn't get air in it. I just thought I had to go to an appointment. I'll just, I just get on the interstate. But all of a sudden, that car started flashing up how low I was. Urgent, urgent, urgent. And I got distracted. And when I got distracted, a sweet brother in the Lord in a trooper car <laughs> sent his little siren going. He looked like a sweet little boss hogs. Anybody remember boss hogs? Come on, give boss hogs a hand. I'm choking a little bit. If you don't know, you don't know. And he is so sweet. He, I said, was I doing something wrong? He said, you almost ran me off the road. I said, I am so sorry, sir. And I, you know me, I'm a talker. Well, this, this light come on, I just got this car. And my son-in-law's been trying to help me, but he told me to get air in the tire, and I didn't. And it just flashed on. And I must have gotten distracted. I, I, I didn't even say I was sorry at that point. He goes, I go, here's my license. Here's my insurance. And he goes back, and he comes back up, and he goes, okay, you're clear. You have a perfect record. And I was like, oh, bam. But anyway, he said, uh, but you're going to get some help. Where are you going? So he told me, he said, when you get off the interstate, you go see this guy. You tell him you need air in your tire. And I said, thank you. And sincerely, whether he'd give me a ticket or not, this is what I would have said. I said, thank you. You just probably saved my life because you saved me distraction. There was a time we had a Suburban, and Christine was about four, and she hated things on her hands. She still does not like messy. She keeps everything really clean. We don't know who she got that from, but we're all curious to find out someday. But she likes everything in order and clean, and she was eating a chocolate bar, and we pulled into our driveway, and she was in the back seat, and I opened my door, got the back door. Put, she was like, Mommy, get this off my hands. Get this off my hands. And so I took the – it was just dripping everywhere, and I was focused on it. I went to the trash can very close, put it in there. I opened her door. When I pulled around when I turned around obviously I had not I had not put it in park and the suburban was rolling out to the street in that moment my Jack Bauer kicked in and I said save the suburban or save the darling blonde-haired girl in the back seat and it went for the girl and I got right and I ran across I said jump to mommy jump to mommy and in that Herculean kind of style she jumped right out of that suburban and landed in my arm give her a hand and the suburban, suburban hit a tree across the road as mild damage. My husband said, you made it. When I was giving birth to Courtney, I decided I was going to do supernatural childbirth. You've never heard of that. 
Just go ahead and roll your eyes. But anyway, I didn't go to a class. I just heard about it and said I was going to do it. I'm not going to need an epidural. I'm going to pray in the spirit. I'm going to quote scriptures. I'm going to win everyone to the Lord for the name of the Jesus and the kingdom. Get in there and the pain start going so bad, so incredibly bad. I get about eight centimeters TMI and uh, I, I had a little focal point. It was a little bunny. I should have put an eight by 10 of Jesus Christ himself. Come on, somebody. Yeah, come, that's right, Michelle. I had this bunny sitting there, and a nurse got in my way, and I said, you're in the way of my focal point. Get out of the way. And my husband went, whoa, whoa. And then, then, he, then I said, oh, God, oh, God. He said, God is here. I said, God is nowhere. I don't see him. I don't sense him. There is no God in my Darth Vader voice. He looked at the nurse and like he was going through puberty, he goes, can we talk to a doctor, please? <laughs> so on my focal point, so on my next child, when I found out I was pregnant, I said, I'd like to sign up for that epidural right now. Just bring it. Come on. Everyone say focus. You got to have a focus. Life is full of distractions, some funny, but some devastating. And sometimes we have to say to things, get out of my focal point. Proverbs 4 and 25 said, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze on that which is before you to protect you from your distractions to help you reach your goals to help you fulfill your God-given destiny so you don't drift off course Roger Bannister is known for the Miracle Mile in 1954 a friend of mine Pastor David Cooper and Barbie were with him his wife at an event many years ago and they got to talk to him in Atlanta and he was telling them how he won the race the person running with him John Landy was before him and right before the finish line John Landy turns one little iota to see where Roger Bannister is and when he does he misses a step Roger Bannister comes up on the right and he wins the first one miracle mile under four minutes one mile because John Landy turned around I wonder how many times we're distracted from the victories God wants to give us can I get an amen I wonder how many times we're looking over our shoulder or over here or over there at that person and that thing and their stuff and their thing and how it's going for them. Victory belongs to people that have a focal point and a focus that say, no matter what happens, my eyes will be straight ahead on Jesus and the race before me. I'm going to refuse to let distractions defeat me in my victory. If you believe it give him a hand this morning because he is faithful distractions to avert to draw you away John was on the Isle of Patmos he was with prisoners it was nowhere beautiful it was barren it was horrible he'd already been bathed and he'd already been boiled in oil and survived that by Domitian and the Domitian an evil insane Roman emperor exiled the beloved John to a place where hardly anybody was but prisoners and the land was barren. I'm not going to tell you all that went on there because it's horrifying, but there he was. But God gives him a revelation at just that moment. Don't you love it that the moments God interrupts our life are the oddest moments possible? Can I get an amen? Don't you love it? It's moments we never saw coming. Moses on the backside of the desert at 80, just clicking the calendar to the end of his days. And all of a sudden, the bush burns and Moses turns aside and everything changes. I love that Deuteronomy says that God found Israel and God finds 
challenge you and I, even when we're in a desert wilderness, in the waste of a wilderness, he circles us, he cares for us, he guards us as the pupil of his very eye, meaning God will find us anywhere at any time to fulfill his word and to bring us breakthrough and to bring us ministry. Someone give him a shout of praise this morning. Hallelujah. And I love it that John, in the midst of being on Patmos, was in the spirit on the Lord's day. On the Lord's day. You know, Matt, John 4 and 24 says those who worship him will worship him in spirit and in truth. This is what happens. When you worship in spirit and truth, you worship even when you're wounded. When you worship in spirit truth, you worship even when you're in pain. When you worship in spirit truth, you worship even though the Jericho walls are standing in your way. When you worship in spirit and truth, even when you are surrounded by all the enemies of your purpose. When you worship in spirit and truth, you worship even though that giant that is in front of you is mocking you and calling you all kind of names and trying to intimidate you. But when you lift your hands and worship, you worship in spirit and truth. And that's what John was doing on the Lord's day, even on the Isle of Patmos in a barren land where he felt forgotten. He was seeking God because when you focus on God that is greater than you, you focus on him, you begin to really worship. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise in this house. Come on, put your hands together for him. God found John even though he was under siege and John found God under siege, under siege. C.S. Lewis, one of the best-selling authors of all time, his books have now been made into movies, but he's, you can look up his quotes. They are endless. They are phenomenal. They are fantastic. I love them. I'm a follower of C.S. Lewis quotes. I love his works of fiction. I love his books. But at the end of World War II, C.S. Lewis was teaching a literature class at Oxford. Get this, Mike. Michael and Michael, <laughs> he had only a very small group of students, a handful. Someone say a handful. Oh, come on, don't miss this. The great C.S. Lewis is only teaching a handful. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. The Nazis were bombing London, and they had bombed it till it almost devastated. I've been to London. It's a beautiful city several times until it was almost unrecognizable. And you can look at old pictures and see how unrecognizable it was. And they, the kids he knew were traumatized by the war. And here they were in literary class, and he knew what they were thinking. And I want to propose to you this morning that he knew what they were thinking because he was probably thinking the same thing. He said, let me ask you something. I love it. How can you be in college studying literature when London is under siege and bombs are going off right and left? I imagine that C.S. Lewis himself, like myself and like you, I probably tell myself too much, have said, what am I doing that's making a difference? Can I get an amen? What am I doing when I'm, I'm dealing with all of this and I'm still trying to do all this? Can I get an amen? What would have been the answer? And they didn't have the answer, but he said, because I believe as we arrive at answers, we help others with the same answers. And C.S. Lewis, the great philosopher, looked at those handful of kids in the middle of bombs going off in London from the crazy Hitler who would be destroyed by the Allies. He said, we are always under siege. The real question is, how will you spend your time dealing with the immediate or dealing with the eternal? 
And I want to say to you, Church of the Harvest family, those listening by podcast, you will always be under siege one way or the other. Do not let that stop you from focusing on what God has called you to do, who he's called you to be. We will always be under siege. But the question is, will we spend our time dealing with the thoughts of the immediate and everything we're feeling and what we're facing and what we're looking at? Or will we ask the Lord, I want to focus on who you want me to be in the time of being under siege. Can I get a God bless you from somebody in the house? Just give him a praise. What are you focusing on this morning? Are you distracted? Distracted? Jesus said in that same passage to the church, one of the churches, you've done all these things good, but you don't love like you used to love. You don't love me like you once did, and you don't love your brothers and sisters. It was a church that Paul had warned in the early days and ended one of his writings in Ephesians 6 and said, I just pray you don't forget how you're supposed to love Christ and love each other. But then we roll on over into Revelation. We find that they forgot the very thing Paul said. I love the old song we used to sing, Oh, Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I see. And there's a second verse to it, Cheryl, that says, Oh, Lord, please light the fire that once burned bright, but now it's dim. Replace the fire of my first love and burn me with holy fear. I don't know about you, but in January, yeah, there's goals. I don't do resolutions. There's goals and there's things we work on, but I'm always in January saying to the Lord, Lord, light my fire again. Lord, if I have dimmed anything, if I have been distracted, Lord, consume me with the greater love of you. Let me be focused on the eternal and not the immediate. Can I get an amen? And God, Christ found John exiled and gave him a revelation for the ages. And here's the crazy thing if pastor Todd if I was going to give a revelation to John the beloved I wouldn't have chosen that time Patmos exiled with a bunch of prisoners out in the desert oh no I would have given it to him the day of the Mount Transfiguration when Peter James and John went up into the mountain and they saw Elijah and Moses and that night John could have gone home Keith and he could have journaled today I saw Elijah and Moses book by John the beloved the one that Jesus loves the most hashtag we are popular in the kingdom come on somebody if I was writing the script I would have written it on the day that Jesus I would have given John the revelation the day Jesus walked on the water if I was writing the script for John I would have done it the way Jesus raised Lazarus I would have done it when the conditions were most perfect and Jesus was in the height of his popularity but instead look at your neighbor and say instead instead Jesus gives it to John in a barren wilderness he gives him that revelation and I have to wonder if in that moment John was questioning does my life still matter hang with me all the other disciples had been martyred he's the last one on the planet He's the last one, and he's not even near. He's nowhere near Jerusalem. Have you ever found yourself in a moment of your life, a season of your life, a day of your life, about 20 years of your life, that you felt like, I'm so far from where I thought I'd be? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, all of us. It's not looking like I thought it would look. And I have to wonder, because John was human, he loved Christ so much, if he was facing all of that and wondering what happened. And I also have to wonder, knowing the spirit of the Lord in my mind, the way it thinks and the way he helps me to think. Thank you, sir. Is this, I have to believe that somewhere along the journey, somewhere along walking with Christ, Austin, 
that John got this thing from Holy Spirit that someday Christ is going to do something so amazing through you, John. Don't forget it. But I have to think through all the years, Matthew, that he wondered when it would happen. And it happens at the least likely happening time. Don't you love it that we serve a God that says at a time that you think not, I'm going to answer that prayer. Come on, someone. Don't you love it that we serve a God that says at a time that you don't even think it's going to happen, I'm going to do that which you brought for. I'm going to bring that prodigal home in a moment you thought was ridiculous. I'm going to do the impossible in a moment you never did. You may circle day and years and seasons on your calendar but I am the Lord the almighty God I am the alpha and the omega and I will fulfill my word in the time and in the season that I have predestined somebody give him a praise that was a word for you today from him thank you Holy Spirit you have to wonder but what God was proven is there is no mountain will keep what he has for you from coming no trial no tribulation no time lapse Nothing will stop God's plan. There he was. God broke through. Book of Revelation. We'll get to why it matters to you. Book of Revelation and gives him revelation. I want to say this to you. God will break through in moments you did not see. I remember the end of my third year of Lee University. I was, uh, um, I'm sorry, it was the beginning. I was humbled by God. I was pulverized. It's too long to go into. It's too many incidents to go into. It's a teaching within its own. And God kept telling me, humble yourself, Rhonda, and do time out will exalt you. But boy, it was a public humiliation. And it was rough. With great favor at the same time, just ridiculous. But toward the end of that season, I was, uh, I was a part of a club called Delta Zeta Tau. And in the room I'm fixing to tell you about was Mark Harris, who now leads Gateway, who is one of my suitors. Mark, Pastor Mark Schrade, who led me through my inner healing. Pastor Mark Morris, who runs a big ministry in the Philippines. Many brothers and sisters all over the world that are in ministry, but we were gathered in a room that's called a bread breaking. And the chaplain, Julie Walker-Cruz, with which Paul Dana Walker Arena at Lee is named after her beloved husband in heaven, says, I can't come tonight. Can you leave the bread breaking after this? And in the middle of that bread breaking, in the middle of what God was doing, I didn't anticipate it. I didn't expect it. This is a word for someone here, for everyone here in this room today. In that room, after so much humiliation, so much pulverizing, I thought of everything that I was. The Spirit of the Lord moved upon me among my peers, crowded not an inch to move, and began to prophesy. The place became unglued. People couldn't move for hours. It's no credit to me, but it began to move around the room until people were called up into third heaven. Still, so many of those people say that was one of the most holy nights. Why am I telling you this? Because God is the God of the breakthrough. And when he wants to break through, he will break through. When you bow before God, you can stand before men. When you kneel with conviction, you can stand up to conquer. When you begin the day on your knees, you will finish the day on your feet. When you open your eyes to worship God, he will fill you with his presence new. God will bless you in the presence of those who broke you. God will fill you in the presence of those who forsook you. God will use you in the presence of those who refused you. God will lift you up in the presence of those who brought you down. And God will promote you in the presence of those who persecuted you. And God will crown you in the presence of those who canceled you. And God will bless you in the presence of believers to show that he alone is God and he is good. Somebody praise him in this house. So keep your focus. Amen. That's a word I tell you. Don't, Romans 12, 
do in the Phillips translation says it so clearly don't let the world squeeze you into its mold don't let the world tell you who you're supposed to be God so loved the world that he gave his son but the world is lost and if you take your priorities from Hollywood I enjoy movies and all that I'm not coming to say that but if you take your priorities from them if you take your rate of success from the world if you take it from the world standard or even some in maybe churches other places who might have a misconstrued idea of what is success you are letting something else squeeze you into the world's mold but we are to be molded and shaped by the hands of Jesus Christ who gave his life for us let him give you your grades somebody give him praise in this house so my second point there's only one after this but don't get your notebooks closed up you know me focus on the people you're supposed to influence Jesus went to the Galilee and he called some men out they're ordinary fishermen and they said after they walked with Jesus they talked like men that were skilled and they never went to college high five Jesus Christ and they never went to university but they started talking like educated men because they were hanging around the son of the almighty God when you hang around with the son and you hang around with the Holy Spirit and you hang around with the father you'll find your vernacular will be lifted you'll find that you'll know things you didn't know before someone say amen Jesus made them people of influence and he desires that every one of us are people of influence Christian life is being Beyond, is beyond all things a life of influence someone say influence Matthew 5 Jesus said you are the salt of the earth you are the light of the world church salt preserves light breaks through the darkness didn't you love Christmas Eve I'm working on a Sunday I'm working on a sermon about that but anyway didn't you love Christmas Eve with those candles I love the pictures just the light of the church body oh I would just you'd think there'd be a Sunday I think well that, well, that was the Sunday that's just going to stay with me turning around and seeing your light you know why this church was put here and now we'll move there to be salt and light to a world that is hurting to be salt and light to the whosoever to be salt and light to a world that's dying we are the whosoever and when we move the anointing of God moves with us someone give him a shout of praise in this house you are the salt of your family. You are the salt of your workplace. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of your family, the light of your marriage. You are the light of your business. I know you don't want to be, but you're the light of your workplace. You, you, you focus on the people you want to influence for Christ. Sociologists have determined that even the most introverted person on the planet influences 10,000 people in their lifetime most introverted the commission of Jesus the one commission of Jesus Cheryl is to go into all the world and preach the gospel but that means into your world seven people seven billion people live on this planet I can't even wrap my mind around that how do you reach everyone you don't he means you go and preach it into your world into your private world into where your lives intersect in stores, gas stations, 
into your world. You go into your family. You go into your workplace. You go into Eton. You go into KFC. You go into Chick-fil-A. You go into these places. Matt, you go into homes through your business. You go in with the gospel. You go and live a life that says nobody could get through that if there wasn't a Christ. Nobody could walk in that much peace if there wasn't a Christ. Nobody could have that much wisdom and joy if there wasn't a God. I don't know who they're serving, but I know I want to serve whoever they're serving. Take the gospel into your world. Somebody give him a shout of praise. Focus maybe this month, maybe this year on seven people you want to influence for Christ. Ask him. One of the greatest miracles of Jesus' life to me he had just left the crowd, the huge crowd. I mean, it was just so big. I mean, Pastor Todd had been there. He'd been throwing chairs out. I mean, it was just going nuts. It was crazy. They couldn't accommodate the people. But he leaves the crowd and crosses the Galilee for one man. He had been with a multitude, but for one man. And the situation was so dire that the Message Bible said this. I just happened to felt compelled to turn to it this morning. This is a word for several. This man no one could tame. And no one could subdue him. And no one could restrain him. I feel like there's some situations right now in your workplace. I feel like the Lord put it upon my heart. There's some situations and some prodigals that you feel like nothing's going to restrain them. Nothing's going to subdue them. Oh, yes, there is one. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. That nothing can subdue. This year, this may take me, may, may make me have to have two more extra minutes. But this year I was called into a situation. Um, it was a, how can I bring this forth? The person knows I'm going to share it, but I'm going to be careful. It was a community situation where a lot of people were going to be. I did not know how many dignitaries were going to be there. In fact, the mayor, that word, mayor, that word. <laughs> yes, that word. Thank you. Yell it out. Emeritus, thank you. Thank you, Austin. I appreciate it. And um, if, you're, if you're listening by podcast, there are several people that help us get these words out. And we are thankful for them. And uh, I didn't know who was going to be there. I knew this for the Lord had given me what I was to say. But I heard there was this man that did not want me there. This man was at the center of this community. It wasn't a church, but he didn't want me there. And I heard, unfortunately, all the vicious things. He never really met me, what he said. And so I'm telling Holy Spirit, I'm saying, wow, I've got to go in there. I know several of the men from the church will be there. Pastor Tim, Michael Cook, and Matt Decker will be there for sure. So if they've got to take him down and beat him to a pulp, so be it, Lord. No, I'm just kidding. No, I said, um, I didn't, but I just thought, it, it, that doesn't bug me. I've had to do a table in the presence of many enemies from the beginning of my ministry. It didn't bug me. But I did ask the Holy Spirit, what if he gets up and screams something? What if he starts to march out and throws a fit, you know, and says, hell will freeze over before blah, blah, blah. And I just felt peace about it. But as I got up from my desk with my notebook in hand to head out there to this situation that many people are going to be at, Holy Spirit said, as far as that man, I will subdue him. I will subdue him. A word I wouldn't have thought of. So I thought, okay, I was mere as God. Anybody with me? You know, we'll see. If I go get stoned, somebody just lift my body up and say she was wrong. But at any rate, um, so I go in and I got to cut this down short. But I go in and I, I see this individual and I, people are coming and going, coming and going. And I finally think, I'm just going to go up there. And I go up there and talk to him and his wife and eyed him. And immediately I began to talk to him. And, and I, I, I knew he was frustrated he liked me. 
and we started we started talking and I, and I, I could feel I was winning him over I wasn't even trying it wasn't me and by the end of that event I had won him over so much they wanted me to come over and spend time with them they wanted me to they wanted to talk to me longer they sent word by the people connected to this situation we've never heard anything like that we've never heard anyone honor anyone like that I'm, I'm leaving a lot of the compliments out because I just don't want to go there and I remembered, and then the, one of the family members came to me. I'd said not to anyone what I thought I heard. They said, we have never seen him so subdued in our entire life. And I said, that's what the Lord told me to do. I'm going to tell you, there may be a situation in your workplace that a coworker is giving you trouble. The Lord says he will subdue them. There may be a situation that you feel like someone's coming against you with some false things. The Lord said he will subdue them. There may be a financial situation. You need the Lord to subdue someone trying to get the money. There may be another situation in your family that you need the Lord to subdue it to you get a miracle. We serve Jesus who does such things. Someone give him shout of praise. And Jesus steps out on the Gadarenes, and the man, you know the story, he comes running. And Jesus says, how many are in you? And he says, legion, which means he had more um, demons than you can imagine. And he's begin, the demons began to yell, you are the holy one of God. You are the holy one of God. And Jesus just shuts them up and makes them go out and makes them go into pigs. The, he breaks the chains of this man who could not be subdued. Can I get an amen? He breaks the chains of this terrifying figure. And what happens is the men of the city get so mad over the pigs and so mad over what happened because sometimes revival is messy. Can I get an amen? Sometimes helping people is messy. Can I get an amen? But it said when they came in, they saw Jesus sitting with this madman and he was clothed and in his right mind. I tell you when you come to Jesus he will let you sit down in peace in your right mind and show yourself fully alive. Can we give a praise to King Jesus? Can we declare it for somebody we're believing for right now that they're going to sit down or stand up in the right mind clothed with salvation. Hallelujah. Give him a praise in this house. Hallelujah. Lord, you saw that praise. You see, Pilate washed his hands of Jesus because he didn't want to be guilty. This church will not wash their hands of people. We will do like Jesus, and we will wash the feet of the whosoever. We will. The difference between Jesus and Pilate was one washed his hands and one washed feet. One ended by death and guilt was upon him regardless what he did. But Jesus Christ is at the right hand of God Almighty, the Alpha and the Omega. And we're going to continue to not wash our hands of people. But we're going to wash the feet of the broken, the destitute, the prodigal. We're going to wash the feet of those that are hurting. And we're going to say, whosoever, you are welcome here. You are welcome here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Let me see where we are. And here's the thing. Jesus left that section. He went to get in his boat, and the man delivered said, and, and hang with me. If I, I would have bugged Pastor Todd this morning to go get my boat and put it on the stage, but I hated to bug him. But just see it in your mind. Here we go. Okay. He said, I want to get in the boat with you, and I want to leave. Sometimes we want to get in any boat but the boat Jesus called us to be in. Okay. And Jesus said, no, you can't get in the boat and go with me. 
you go back and evangelize this area. You go back to your home. You go back to your job. You go back to your family and you tell them the great things the Lord has done and how the Lord has had mercy on you. And then the man went back to the Decapolis and told them what great things Jesus had done. And those 10 cities at that time were revolutionized for the kingdom. This was a man who did not know any scriptures. He had been demonized for many years. This is a man who was not a Bible scholar, but what could he do? He could say, I was Roman in the gathering graveyards I was out of my mind like a foolish animal but a man stepped on the very property which I was and he healed me he delivered me and he called me by name all you need is your testimony of what Jesus did for you somebody give him a praise Josh come help me I'm not quite done but come help me let me tell you this sometimes all we want to do is just Jesus let me get in this boat Oh, my mercy. How many times I've said that to Jesus. And Jesus says, no, I'll put you in that boat. I've called you in that boat. Because that boat is where I'm going to make you be who you're going to be. In the early days of, um, Brother Perry mentioned the, um, but the Pastor Tim, what war was it? Desert Storm. Desert Storm. And how he was preaching here. And after that, one of our men who's just precious to me today, not here anymore in this building. He's in another city. But he wanted to leave his family and travel with Brother Perry. And he was so moved. And so Pastor Hank and I were sitting with him. We loved him so much. And we used every theory we knew. You've got three little boys. You've got a wife. You've got a job. And none of it was making sense to him. And he was a great man. But he was so moved by the appearance of that boat. If I can just get in that boat. And finally, common sense picked, uh, just kicked into Pastor Hank and I. And we reasoned with him by the Lord. And finally, we just said we hated to. Perry does not want you to travel with him. He's got Pam. That was when he was a full-time evangelist. And I remember how sad he was and how upset he was with his pastors. But you know what? I was thinking about that man. This came out of nowhere the other day, even though I saw this man at pastor's home going and hear from him on social media. Well, what just amazes me is his wife was fixing to lose everything mentally. She's still alive, but they're, they were not going to be together anymore. He ended up raising three of the finest young men that know Jesus today. Sometimes we're blind to how great our boat is. The man did not know that if he kept his right vision, he was going to win Decapolis. But all he could see is, I just, I want to be with you, Jesus. He didn't know Jesus was already in the boat with him. He didn't know Jesus was preaching through him. He didn't know Jesus was witnessing through him. I worry that you will forget the significance of your life in your workplace. That you will overlook how much you are a light set on a hill that you are salt and light I worry sometimes and have to pray for you because I don't ever want you to be blinded that you are a fork in the road between heaven and hell you are a light you are the salt of the earth that Jesus may be glorified someone give him praise in this house come on hallelujah hallelujah so lastly we focus on Jesus, I had more to say, but I'm going to give you several examples of people that are in full-time ministry under me that never could see what the significance difference, even though they were paid by a ministry. It's something that will chase you and me if we're not careful. Lord, don't let us be blinded as a church. Don't let us be blinded to what you're doing through us, Lord.
Mm. Don't let us be blinded. Fix our eyes on Jesus. Philippians 3, for me to live as Christ. For me to live as Christ, that is our focus. Can I get an amen? I had asked permission to share this. I was asked to share this. Chuck Martin ended up not feeling well this morning and couldn't come, but he was excited about me sharing this. November of 2022, Christy Martin, who's now in heaven, asked to meet with me privately. I still have the text and the whole thread between she and I. On December 1st, we met back here in the kids' sanctuary, and she said, Pastor, I need to share something with you in pastoral confidence. And I said, okay, Christy. She said, the only way I'll ever release you to tell this is if I leave this earth. And I said, you got it, Christy. I said, no problem. As we sat there and fellowship some, she began to tell me about this dream that she had had. She was in remission at that time, but in the dream, she saw the Lord coming for her. She described, in fact, I could sense Mama Linda the glory in the room as much as I didn't want to as she described it to me. The glory of the pyramid of colors, the prism of colors around his throne, the light of his face, the, the glory coming for her. And she looked at me and she said, Pastor Rhonda, if he does come, you tell my children, I was not afraid. And all I had was joy. When he reached for me, it was a joy like I've never known before. When he reached for me, it was a peace like I've never experienced. When I felt his love, it overwhelmed my heart and my soul and my mind. Pastor, if that comes to pass, tell my children, tell my husband, and tell my church that Jesus is everything we should ever live for. That he is worthy. That he is loved and he is light and he is holiness can you just lift a hand and say I love you Jesus I love you Jesus I love you Jesus I talked to her for a while about living put it on the shelf I never said a word to another human being ever period but as her life came down to a close and I was called in and she was there in her house I told Chuck and the girls that Christy had shared something with me I could only share we, she was already passing over we knew into the other side and I prayed with Christy, asked the Lord one more time to heal her. I prayed a prayer for her from the time she was born till she went on. We were all weeping and asked the Lord, please let her stay with us, Jesus. Please, please let her stay with us, Jesus. And uh, she was just about unconscious, and, but I kept speaking to her as she could hear, as we know they can. So when I was done, I went and sat down, and the girls and their husbands and Chuck said, you said you had something to tell us. And I said, family, I do. But the only person that can break my confidence, she's still breathing, is you. Because I told her, I would not share, and the girls just with tears, beautiful daughters, beautiful son-in-laws, all crying. Please, pastor, please tell us. When I began, I said, okay, I will tell you. And I began to tell her what I just told you. What was so interesting, we cried, we talked. The Lord told me, just let the girls talk. Just, I said, what do I do? He goes, just let them talk. And I'll talk them through their feelings. I, I haven't lost a spouse. I knew what, somewhat what they're feeling, what my girls have experienced. We cried, we prayed, we laughed. We made fun of Chuck. Of course we did. And there's just a lot that went on in those few moments. But it was precious. It was beautiful. It was holy. When I was done... I walked over to the other side of Christy. No one heard me, and I whispered in her ear, Christy, I love you so much. I want you to stay with us so much. Christy, we need you. Christy, 
I love you. But then I did what a pastor has to do, and I said, Christy, you just heard your children. You heard your daughters. You heard your husband. You heard your son-in-laws. Christy, if that light has come for you and you want to go, Christy, go ahead and take his hand. Christy, we love you so much. No one heard me but Christy. I wiped my tears, said goodbye. I got in my car. Not even three minutes down the road, Chuck called and said she was just waiting for her pastor's voice. She went to heaven right after you walked out the door. You can give Jesus praise for that. Here's the irony. Why are we ending this way? Because it's all about Jesus. And I'm going to end with something a little brighter here. But here I'm going to tell you, this is the irony. This is the divine orchestration. I sat with her. I mean, we were back and forth on dates. You can't make this stuff up. Well, you can, but we were back and forth on dates we would meet. And we finally met on December 1st, 2022. Mama Linda, it was December 1st, 2023 to the day that the king came for her. I'm just telling you, he is the alpha and he is the omega. I don't understand why she had to go. I'll never understand. I love her dearly. She was a force of encouragement in my life that I cannot even compare. She was always encouraging me, even when I was trying to encourage her. But this one thing I know, she saw him and she wanted you to know. Someday she wanted me to stand in this pulpit and say, he is worthy. He is everything the word says he is. He is the Alpha and Omega and he is worthy of it all. Can you say amen? Colossians 3 and 4 in closing, Paul says Christ is all. So I say to you today, I'll say we. Can we say he is our focus? He is our anointing. He is our blessing. He is our calling. He is our destiny. He is our energy. Christ is our faith. Christ is our God. Christ is our holiness. Christ is our inspiration. Christ is our joy. Christ is our king. Christ is our love. Christ is our motivation. Christ is all. Can you praise him while I get ready to finish this? Come on, stand on your feet and give him a praise. Christ is all. Christ is our nobility. Christ is our optimism. Christ is our peace. Christ is our quest. Christ is our righteousness. Christ is our Savior. Christ is all. He is our truth. Christ is our vision. Christ is our worship. Christ is our seal. Christ is all in all. Now you can praise Him. Hallelujah. 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 Just keep standing. Few verses down, John sees him, his hair is white as wool, his eyes are blazing with fire. Blazing with fire. And John said he was holding the churches in his right hand. He's holding harvest in his right hand. And John said, when I saw him, when I was on Patmos, I feel as dead. I felt as dead. I couldn't handle who he was. And I'm saying this for a reason. John said that Jesus put his hand on his shoulder and touched him and said, John, it's me. 
It's Jesus who you love. It's Jesus who loves you. I'm saying to you today, yes, he's the Alpha and the Omega. Yes, he is mighty. Yes, he is glorious. But he's the one that loves Rhonda. He's the one that loves Michael. He's the one that loves Tina. He's the one that loves Misty. He is the one that says to you, I am all of that, but I am a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I am the song in the midnight hour. I am the voice of hope in the middle of the desert. I am the saving grace in the middle of your pain. I am the hope in the middle of your waiting room. I am your joy in the middle of your despair. His name is Jesus. Can you worship him just for a minute before I pray over you? Praise and worship team, come up if you would. Can you worship him just for a minute? Just for a minute. Just for a minute. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Is every head is bowed and every eye is closed. If you're here this morning, you're not really sure where you stand with Jesus and you're battling a lot of things. And you'd like to be reminded that he's your friend. I don't want to embarrass you. I won't come to you. I won't call you up front. But you just want to pray with us this morning and reclaim him in your life. As no one is looking, would you just lift your hand right where you are? God bless you. 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 Any others he sees. And if you're not bold enough to raise your hand, lift your heart to him. He sees. Everyone in the house, repeat after me. Dear Jesus, today I'm coming back to you. I confess there's a distance. I confess I've been distracted. But today I confess you as Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Remove the distance. Heal my mind. Heal my heart. Heal me. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm just going to ask everyone to come up just for a couple. It's 12.06. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise for those that came back. We're so thankful. We're going to sing. I'm just going to ask everyone just to move up. We're just going to sing this chorus as an ending, as a consecration. I just want you to just ask the Lord that you want this year your focus to be on Him. Just a moment of an act of dedication, maybe we can say. As they sing it, just come on up and fill this altar space. Come on. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. I just want you. Declare it. Nothing else, nothing else will do. Nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you. We're changing our focus, Jesus. We're focusing on you.